This is John Tash, host of Intelligence for Your Life, and you're listening to my good buddy, Dan Miller. You know, finding your purpose and passion is the first step to living out intelligence in your own life. 48 days can show you the way. Now, back to Dan. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, hi there. This is Dan Miller. And yes, you're listening to the 48 Days Radio Show, where each week we take 48 minutes to dive into those real-life questions about finding your passion, deciding what kind of life you want to live, and then finding or creating work that allows you to show up every day Excited to be able to do something that is, in fact, meaningful, fulfilling, and profitable. Well, our sponsor today is Casper, Casper Mattress. We just ordered a new one. I'll tell you why here in a little bit. Here's some of the things we're going to be looking at today. One day you finally knew what you had to do. I'm going to kind of use that as a theme. I've got a poem I want to share with you in a little bit. That comes from that one day you finally knew what you had to do. All right, here's some of the questions. Dan, I've downloaded the PDF and noticed three of the items, financial, family, and spiritual, do not apply to me. I don't have family, don't plan to start one. I have no spirituality in my life. I don't care about my finances. All right, we'll talk about it. Dan, how do I schedule interviews when I'm currently working full time? How can I create residual income as a Spanish interpreter? Here's one. I like this one. Should my son work this summer or apply for college scholarships? Might be surprised by my answer to that one. Then I love the ministry work I'm doing, but we're financially strained and my wife's health is failing. Okay. What do you do in that situation? Well, we're going to get into that and a whole lot more. Here's our quotation for the day. This comes from Zig Ziglar. What you get by achieving your goals is not as important as what you become by achieving your goals. So we'll be looking at both of those. Is achieving goals, this is the time of year when you hear me talk a lot about achieving goals, is it just to get more or is it because of what it helps you become? Well, you know where we're going to go with that. We'll have fun with that and more. First, let's get this message from my friends at Casper. You've heard me talk about the Casper mattress we have here in our guest house. It's the most requested room for people that come here. They hear me talk about it, and absolutely, they want to try it out. And again and again and again, talk about the refreshing deep sleep they had on a Casper mattress. Now, mattresses can cost well over $1,500, but Casper mattresses cost $500 for a twin size 750 for a full, 850 for a queen, and only 950 for a king. And of course, they ship it right to you. You don't have to strap it on top of your car. It shows up in a box. You open it, spread it out, ready to go. Buying a Casper is completely risk-free. They offer free delivery and free returns with a 100-night home trial. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. Again, just keep in mind, this is an obsessively engineered mattress that they've got. We absolutely love it. I encourage you to check it out. Go to casper.com slash sleep you love and use a promo code sleep you love to save $50 
off your purchase. Again, remember it's free shipping anyway, but you can save another $50. Just go to casper.com slash sleep. You love use the promo code sleep. You love. Now, you know, we've been talking a lot about goals this time of year. We're still in November, but this is the time to have your goals outlined where you decide, determine in advance what you want the next year to look like. And that's how it works. If you just wait until it shows up and kind of unfolds as it will, quesara, sera, you're going to get more of what you had this year. If you want new results, you got to decide what you're going to be willing to change so you get those new results. So we've got a worksheet for you. Just go to 48days.com slash 2017 free workshop to guide you through setting your goals in seven different areas. So I've got a lot of questions coming in in regard to that that I think you're going to find interesting. Alan says, love your podcast, the 48 days community, you and many of the folks you've introduced me to have become my mentors. And and you didn't even know it with the recent presidential election hysteria front and center. I feel this is a perfect time to ask you and some of my other mentors from afar to speak to this sense of hopelessness, powerlessness, and anger that some have chosen to indulge in. I think that giving in to feeling hopeless, powerless, and angry leads to an even more dangerous feeling, and that is feeling unaccountable. That was recently demonstrated by a video posted online of a supporter of one of the candidates being attacked by supporters of the other candidate. All right, Alan says, this reminds me of a quotation attributed to Barbara Bush, who says, your success as a family, our success as a nation, depends not on what happens inside the White House, but on what happens inside your house. I'd love to hear your thoughts, Dan. Well, Alan, I agree totally. Now, here's the deal. I know what the next four years are going to bring for you. If you're upset about the election, hey, I understand. But I've got good news for you. If you're thrilled about the results of the election, I've probably got some bad news for you. Because either way, Donald Trump is going to have very little to do with how your life unfolds. In the next four years, no one's going to make your life great again, but you. Now we're hearing all kinds of predictions about what's coming, you know, based on the recent election. Well, Hey, I'm not a psychic. I'm not a fortune teller or a prophet. I don't have the resources of CNN or the uh, pretty faces that hang around on Fox news, but I can predict your future with an amazing degree of accuracy. I can't see into your mind. I don't, need to know your history, your degrees, or your family. I don't need to understand the role of the Supreme Court or have an intimate study of the Constitution. All I need to do is spend a day with you and listen to what you say and watch what you do. Because your words and your actions are going to tell me exactly where you're going to be four years from now. I confront this all the time. One of our 48 Days coaches just relayed to me a conversation he had with an old friend of his who predicted what his day would hold as they parted ways. His friend said, well, I better go see who won't hire me today. Now, what do you think he's going to experience in the workplace? I mean, his expectations that we're in a slow economy I mean, everyone's waiting to see how this political process plays out. No companies are hiring during the holidays. All those things are going to be, be confirmed by the very words that he's speaking in advance. I ran into a guy in Best Buy not too long ago who said he had downloaded my 48 low-cost business ideas. 
And then he added, but I'm a technology guy, so none of those would work for me. Now, there are 48 ideas in there, but he very quickly says, none of those would work for me. Now, that list links to another thousand ideas, but you know what? He's absolutely right. None of those are going to work for him. And the only way your life is going to get better is if you take the steps to make it better. If you want your health to be better, create a plan to lose weight, get in better shape. If you want your finances to be better, man, create a plan to make an extra $500 a month in 2017. And at the end of the year, you're going to have $6,000 sitting in your account. The only way your future is going to be great is if you make it great. But here's, the, that's good news. You are the president of your life and your future. If you want to know what the next four years are going to look like, look at your last four years. If you do nothing radically different, your life is going to look very much the same as it is now. I mean, your life four years from now is not going to be determined by the economy, the people in the White House, your education, luck, the lottery, or your astrological sign. It's going to be determined by your words and your actions today. So what kind of future are you creating? You know, I hope that's, I hope that's positive. Boy, to me, that just gets me fired up to realize I'm in the driver's seat. I can determine today what my life is going to be in these next four years. And frankly, I'm extremely excited about it. I'm, I've got some big things planned uh, and not just big. I mean, I, it's not just a matter of, of wanting more. And I told somebody recently, I'm not sure that I want more. I just want better. I want to be better at what I do. I want to be a better coach a better encourager, a better daddy, a better husband, a better papa to my grandkids. I mean, I, I want to be better. That doesn't mean just more and more and more. Um, I don't need more property. I don't need a bigger house. I don't need a faster car. I mean, those things, I just want to be better in the things that I'm doing already. All right. Now I want to share one of the, the comments that I got back in already. This comes from Matt, Matt, Matthew, and he says, I've downloaded the PDF. Notice three of these items, financial, family, and spiritual do not apply to me. I don't have family and don't plan to start one. I have no spirituality in my life. I don't care about my finances. With this in mind, is this system not for me? Do I fail with maybe four of the seven targets in play? I'd be curious to hear the answer. Well, I couldn't resist responding to Matthew. I didn't want to even wait till the podcast when I saw that question come in. I immediately responded. I said, Matthew, now again, think about what he said. Three of the seven areas that I have in the goals worksheet, you know, it just go to 48days.com slash 2017 and you'll see this worksheet, but it, it helps you identify the success you want in seven different, different areas of your life. And Matthew says three of them don't apply to him, financial, family, and spiritual. I said, Matthew, I don't think this is possible. You can't exist without being plugged into a financial system. Even if you're trading potatoes for eggs, you've bought into some kind of an economic system. And understanding a financial model will improve your life without question. Secondly, having no spirituality in your life implies that nothing exists that you can't see or touch. So you've just eliminated beauty, joy, and all the things we can't explain. I mean, it's a very boring existence. No family? You know, maybe you're not connected biologically to people, but surely there are people that you relate to and care about. They can become your family. 
And I continued, I love the challenge of your question, but no, I wouldn't bother setting goals in the other four areas of your life. Without these three, you don't have a life. Thanks for the provocative opportunity to respond. Well, he responded right back and he says, I'm sad to hear you say this, but I understand why you would think I don't have a life. I do have a life and every day is indeed a good day to be alive. My previous life was filled with a lot of physical, sexual, and mental abuse. I've faced suicide twice. I know the deeper and darker recesses of my mind. I don't have spirituality, but I know the value of a day above ground and accepting that things are out of my control in most cases. I don't strive for these things, spirituality, financial stability, or family. There are a lot of people who don't have them, and they succeed and struggle like all humans I appreciate your time and answering, even if it was a little more critical than I expected. Well, again, I responded back, Matthew. Hey, I don't mean to be critical, but hope to encourage you to recognize you can't just eliminate those areas of your life. You are moving toward your expectations in even those areas. Even if you haven't acknowledged having goals there, I believe that in the absence of spirituality, you're making yourself a little more than a robot. I mean, seeing yourself as part of a bigger picture is a spiritual response. I mean, you don't have to be religious. That's a different issue. But seeing yourself as part of something bigger than you is a spiritual response. And it opens the door to lots of exciting possibilities. You know, the last couple of nights here, we've had this super moon. Man, how can you walk out there, look at that moon and not be excited about being involved in this amazing universe that we get to be part of. Can we control it, understand it all? No, but just the opportunity, I mean, takes my breath away to be part of this universe when I look at that super moon. Well, Matthew replied again. He said, I appreciate the input, but those categories will always remain at zero. Thank you for verifying this and all the advice you give. I'll continue to forge on and do what I must. Well, I don't think those categories will remain at zero. You know, there's a, a law, the second law of thermodynamics, not to get complicated, but the second law of thermodynamics says essentially that things left to themselves will deteriorate. I mean, you just park a car next to the curb and just leave it there. It's going to immediately start to deteriorate. Things will start to get stiff. The tires will start to dry rot. If you leave it there for very long, it's probably going to get vandalized. People will break the windows and steal things. But it, believe me, it's not going to get better sitting there by itself. And I think our lives are the same way. Left to themselves or trying to just ignore an area does not keep it the same even. It's certainly not going to improve it, but it doesn't even keep it the same. It tends to deteriorate if left on, your, on its own. A couple of things I want to add here. Again, I, I love this time of year. I love the excitement that we can all experience. I love knowing that the elections are behind us and knowing that we are the president of our own lives. We can make the decisions to move us forward. But I heard reference to a poem just recently. It was on a Sunday morning. I was out walking early and I heard reference to this poem from a pastor. And I went and looked it up and I want to share it with you. It's titled The Journey by Mary Oliver. Here's the poem. One day you finally knew what you had to do and began, though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice, though the whole house began to tremble and you felt the old tug at your ankles. Men, my life, each voice cried, but you didn't stop. 
You knew what you had to do. Though the wind pried with its stiff fingers at the very foundations, though their melancholy was terrible, it was already late enough in a wild night and the road full of fallen branches and stones. But little by little, as you left their voices behind, the stars began to burn through the sheets of clouds. And there was a new voice, which you slowly recognized as your own, that kept you company as you strode deeper and deeper into the world, determined to do the only thing you could do, determined to save the only life you could save. God, I love that. I love the parts where it says it was already late enough and a wild night and the road full of fallen branches and stones. Doesn't that describe our lives? Maybe that describes where you feel like you are already late enough and a wild night. Well, determined you can do the only thing you can do, determined to save the only life you can save. You can move into that. Now, I want to play a little clip that I've got here. There was an audio CD that I was privileged to be part of a couple years ago where Nightingale Conant took uh, 25 of their best-selling authors and we all did a little piece on a, a principle that was really significant in helping us our own path to success. On there is Tony Robbins. And there's an audio clip here that I want to play that relates again to this issue of feeling trapped, feeling like our destinies we're already laid out, like we don't have any choice or control. Listen to this, and I'll discuss it, and then we'll move back into some of our questions. Hi, this is Tony Robbins. I didn't have the chance to spend much time with Earl Nightingale before he passed, but he still had a profound impact on my life, and I think about anyone in the personal improvement or peak performance industry. This is a man whose original audio recording of The Strangest Secret took a thought that had been shared many times before, this idea that... We, by taking control of our minds, of our thoughts, can take control of our lives. It was taught by, as a man thinketh, by James Allen. It's been taught by so many people, but never before was it delivered with that incredible voice that just penetrated your soul. That was Earl Nightingale. But someone asked if I share a story that touched me. I remember one that Earl shared with me, and I'm not going to share this perfectly accurately, but my summary of it would be this. When you look at how people's lives turn out, and you want to know why, Think of this story that Earl shared with me. He said there was a friend of his, a man he got to know, who ran into tough times. And as he dealt with his stress, he used alcohol as a coping device. And he got so drunk and so run down that at one point, in desperation, with no money, just to get money for alcohol and to survive, he decided to hold up a liquor store. He had no clear plan. He wasn't that smart in this area. It certainly wasn't his skill set. And he was inebriated. So... A horrific problem became catastrophic when he went and tried to hold up the liquor store and the man behind the counter made a move that startled this man. And as a result, he started spraying bullets and in the aftermath, without ever meaning to, he shot the proprietor. The man at the cash register actually died of the wounds. So the man obviously went through the court case and was imprisoned for life. All this because the man never learned to master his own mind, his own thinking, his own emotions. But here's where the story gets more interesting. Earl shared and said that what had happened over the years, he would follow up since he knew the man's boys. And he had two boys, if I remember correctly, I think they were about two years apart. At the time that the man went in prison, I think they may have been 12 and 14. And Earl would, from time to time, every four, five, ten years, check in with them. And finally, when they were in the early 30s, he wanted to see how having their father being in prison for life had affected them. And interestingly enough, he found the two boys by this young 30s age had radically different life paths. 
one of the boys had gotten involved with a business and had succeeded and become a regional sales manager. He was married and he had three children and seemed to be very happy with his life. The other individual had gotten involved with drugs and walked a path very similar to his father's, where he used drugs as a coping device. And as a result of that, one day found himself in exactly the same position, holding up a liquor store to try to get cash to feed his addiction that he developed at this stage. And this man did not kill the person behind the counter, but this man also, in his stress, fired off some bullets and was caught and hauled away for attempted murder. So now he's in prison, a different prison than his father. His father's been in prison for life. He's in his early 30s. And Earl said that he went to visit with this young man. And he asked him an interesting question. And he decided to ask the exact same question of his brother, who was the regional sales manager for this company, who was happy with his three kids. And what he asked both men separately was, why did your life turn out this way? And ironically, they both gave him the same answer without speaking to each other. They both said, how else could my life have turned out having had a father like that? Now think about that. One man says that he's in prison today because his father was a role model for that. The other one says he has a successful life today because his father was a role model of what not to do. Whenever we point to someone else and we say our life is messed up because of something that happened to us or because of the way a parent treated us, it's always a lie. Ultimately, our destiny comes in our own decisions. It's not your conditions. It's your decisions that shape your life and destiny. And Earl Nightingale shared it so well in that wonderful story. It impacted me at a very young age, and I've never forgotten it. Thanks, Earl. God bless to you and to your organization. Well, there you go. I guess that's enough. We've pretty well um, dissected this issue of outside influences going into the beginning of a year coming right at the end of a very significant election. But I think it boils down to that. You know, we make the decisions that determine our destiny, the direction of our lives. Well, hey, thanks for your input. Continue to shoot me your notes about where you are, your success stories. Again, you can always just send those to askdan at 48days.com. If you've got challenges about your ability to set goals or the significance of doing that. Yeah, I don't love to discuss that with you. So feel free to shoot those in as well. Well, this comes from Mike. This is Dan. You probably get a lot of emails, so I'll keep this short. I've been a big fan of 48 days to the work you love radio show for a while. Uh, as I've been listening, I've been building my own company furniture in the last four months. Furniture has done $75,000 in revenue and we've installed rooms all across the country. We did this all without a marketing or sales lead. We are just two former career goers who decided to work hard on a project we believed in. We have gotten the chance to partner with the top startup accelerator, XRC Labs in New York City, and we worked with Techstars. Hope you enjoy this quick email. Thanks for running such an inspiring podcast. Michael, well, thank you, Michael, for, the, for that furniture. I checked out their website. It's, it's spelled F-U-R-N-I-S-H-R uh, dot com. They uh, furnish rooms. You give them a blank room, choose kind of what you want. They come in and set the whole room up. Looks like a really cool kind of thing. Well, this comes from Aaron. Thanks for your podcast, for your book, 48 Days to the Work You Love. I mailed out my first batch of introductory letters, and this weekend I'm mailing out cover letters along with my resumes. The following week I'll need to start calling these decision makers, but here's the catch. I'm currently working full-time. 
you have any suggestions on how to schedule interviews with decision makers when you're currently employed, and it might take up to 30 minutes to get to your new prospective employer's location. I just had an interview with one company that took two hours, and I'm concerned about being gone too long before my current employer decides to help me by offering more free time for good. I'd appreciate any advice you have. Well, I can feel your question there, empathize with you, but I think it's very doable. Prospective employers are very understanding about somebody who's responsible about the position they currently have. So in explaining that, you know, I've seen people agree to have a six o'clock in the morning interview or an eight o'clock at night interview or nine o'clock on Saturday morning interview. I mean, those things are certainly reasonable when you let them know that you want to honor your commitment where you are. Now, typically when you are in this mode, when you are looking for something else, there are little clues that are given with your coworkers, with your boss or whatever. I don't know that it's a bad idea to let them know what it is you're doing. True. They could decide, Hey, if you're looking, you, we know your heart's already not here. You can go ahead and clean out your desk and go. That's a possibility, but it's a low risk. And what can also happen is that a current employer can say, wow, you know, how about if we looked at some other options for you here I mean, make sure that you haven't overlooked the best opportunity for advancements, promotion, moving up financially in the company that you're already with. And a lot of times people do that. They conduct a job search in secret only to discover later, they probably could have gotten a better opportunity where people already knew, loved and trusted them right there. So just don't overlook that. Well, this comes from Taza who lives in St. Albans near London in England says, Dan, I launch and grow new products so that they achieve the commercial business case expectations of them. I've been doing this as a contractor being paid on a day rate for the last four years, mainly because whilst I work, I love the work. I've not yet found a company I can see myself working for permanently. I've got a decision I need to make and I'd love your advice. Number one, should I take a permanent job? I love the projects I'm doing. The company's okay, but not real, not a real connection here. Number two, get a new contract somewhere else. Number three, take a commission-based sales role for the product. I've never done this before, and it's risky considering how immature the products are, but it could pay well, and let me take one or two days each week for other challenges. Thanks for any advice. Taza, I have a checklist of the 18 characteristics you should look at to determine if it's time for you to be an entrepreneur, time for you to really have a business on your own. This is a very personal kind of decision. There's not enough information here for me to look in from the outside and say, oh, you need to just take a permanent job where you are. I think the three things you listed all are reasonable options and could all be good options for you. Another thing that's kind of a caveat here that should put your mind at ease is I don't think doing any of these would be a wrong decision because none of it is forever. I mean, you can take a permanent job and do that for two years while you consider, continue to consider your other options and have a new plan at that period of time. You can go get a new contract somewhere else. Sure. And that's a real common model these days to just work as a contractor. If you want to take a, a commission sales position, wow. I mean, the, the best Income earners out there are salespeople who have no base, no guarantee. They just know that they 
do a great job. They believe in what they have. They're sharing their enthusiasm about it and they rock and roll with that model. I mean, uh, times of change where I had a lot of pressure and a lot of uncertainty, that's always what I chose commission only sales rather than looking for a job where I had a locked in guarantee because with the locked in guarantee, you also have a locked in ceiling. And I don't like that. I don't like to have a ceiling. So if you're comfortable and want to not have a ceiling, yeah, then commission-based sales is certainly a reasonable option. So really, I don't think any of those would be, I mean, just rank those. I mean, do the pros and cons of all three of your options. Just see where the most pros line up. Make that a choice, knowing that you're doing that for perhaps the next, you know, the next uh, two years. It's not a forever kind of thing at all. Well, hey, just a quick insert here just to remind you that these are real-life questions we're going through. Be delighted to consider a question that you've got as well. Just shoot it to askvan at 48days.com. Questions or your success stories, either one, those are great. Just keep coming in here. Love to review these every week. The highlight of my week and a privilege that I have, privilege that I don't take lightly to kind of share into your lives and uh, seeing the kind of questions that you've got so we can share them together here. Well, Sharon says, I've been a podcast listener for several years. I always find amazing information to apply in my life. However, I have a couple questions. Number one, freelance interpreter residual income. I'm a freelance Spanish medical interpreter. I work for two agencies as a subcontractor. So far, I serve more than 50 customers of theirs, including all major hospitals in the area. I love this job because I used to be a nurse for 11 years and know my stuff while helping the Hispanic population. Now, just to give you a little clear understanding of what, um, uh, of what Sharon is talking about here. So there may be somebody from Bogota, Colombia, who is here getting an eye surgery. Their little girl's getting eye surgery at Vanderbilt Hospital here in Nashville. So Sharon would come in as a Spanish interpreter and she would just make sure the parents knew what was going on. She would relay information from the doctor back to them, any questions that they had back to the doctor and so on. Very common kind of position and certainly a great way to draw on her both medical background and being bilingual. Sharon says, I love the freedom I have to accept or reject a request where I'm struggling is how do I get the best of my knowledge? For more than 16 years, I've noticed the need of interpreters spoken and translators written, I, but I can't be everywhere at the same time. I like to have an idea that is there all the time and brings me an income. I thought about making standard forms. People can purchase it for a fee. However, Google is my competition. It doesn't always do very well. What do you think I can do to produce a residual income? Well, there, there's lots of things that you can do. Um, with a residual income in this. Let me give you just one example here. Two weeks ago, I had a lady contact me from Texas. She's from Austin, Texas. Her name is Edna. And she said, I'm going to be teaching the 48 days to the work you love seminar, but I really want to teach it in Spanish as well as English. Would you be okay if I translated some of the material into Spanish? to use with these groups. I contacted her back. We talked a little bit. Here's the deal. She is currently translating the entire new version of 48 days to the work you love. I'm so excited. I can't sleep at night because we have a lot of people in the 
Spanish-speaking community, both in, and now Edna grew up in Bogota, Colombia. She lived there until she was 29 years old, and she came to Texas. She's been teaching the Dale Carnegie program in both English and Spanish. She's extremely proficient. I had her do the first chapter, and then I ran up by a couple dear friends of mine, Cesar Escobar, who is in Bogota, Colombia, to see if she really was capturing the cultural nuances that I wanted to have part of this new translation, the original translation of 48 Days to the Work You Love that was done in the original version was just a literal word-by-word translation. And as an example, on the front cover, the title says, 48 Days to Love Your Work in Spanish. That's a lot different than 48 Days to the Work You Love. It implied that you just need to bite the bullet and learn to love your work. That's not what we wanted. It did a very poor job of translating in the cultural context. So I ran it by Cesar Escobar. He said, oh my gosh, Edna is doing an amazing job. This is right on. I ran it by Jose Gonzalez, who lives here in Nashville. He's one of the founders of Conexión Americanas, and he's also a professor at Belmont University. I ran it by him. He got the same response. I went back to Edna and says, wow, we're good to go. Go, do it. Now here's the deal. Edna never asked what I was going to pay her to do that. She just loves the material, loves to teach it, wanted to do this. I mean, what a cool thing. Now, am I going to compensate her? Yeah, you better believe it. But I said, Edna, how about if we do this? You just go ahead and do it. We'll publish the book and I'll give you a royalty on every book sold. So let's just take, let's just say that I could have just paid her a flat fee as a contractor. So let's say that I pay her $5,000 as a contractor to, to translate 48 days of the work you love. But let's say instead of doing that, I'm going to tell her, Hey, well, I'll pay you a dollar a book. I don't know how many are going to sell. You know, it's really hard to tell, but let's say that we pay a dollar a book for her work in doing that. Now my work is already done. So this is a brand new product. I have no extra work involved in it at all. We can get the books published very, very low cost. So can I afford a dollar a book? Yeah, absolutely. Not a problem. So if we sell 5,000, Edna gets $5,000, but you know, 48 days is growing in popularity and in Spanish speaking countries and areas of the United States. What if we sell 50,000? I mean, how cool would that be? And that's an example of what you're talking about, Sharon. That's an example of what you're talking about, you know, where if we sell 50,000, Edna's going to get a whole lot of money and I would be thrilled to write her those checks to make that happen. So I would look for things like that. Now, when we talk about getting residual income, it has to be, what is it that you can do one time and then get paid a thousand times over? Now, a printed book is certainly one of those. You could do an audio program. There are a lot of things where you could use your skills in translating and have it set up where you would be getting then residual income. Great question. And I know there are a lot of you listening who have things that are similar where you could do something similar to what I just described. Now, Sharon also asked about scholarships versus a job. Talking about her son, no one wants to give him a job based on the hours he's available. Uh, he, my son started to apply for scholarships this past summer just to have an idea of what to expect the next summer. Um, is it a good idea to keep looking for scholarships or should we push it more to find a job? Do you know businesses or places that accept applications for scholarships? Any ideas where to find more? 
Uh, We have three books from the library so far, and we're not even halfway done. Uh, We believe we believe in it not to get student loans. We believe in paying cash for college or with scholarships. Thanks for your time for the podcast and the knowledge. Thanks, Sharon. Well, Sharon, let's just do the math. In it. Let's, let's say that your son is going to get a job and he's going to work at Taco Bell and he gets paid $10 an hour. So he's going to work those three summer months in between being a junior and senior in high school. We'll just round it. We'll just make it 12 weeks. So he's going to be working 12 weeks, saving up for college at $10 an hour. That means he's going to, he's going to earn $4,800. Now that's nice, but that's not going to even put a dent in college expenses. If he's serious about going to college. Yeah. I think his time would be better spent applying for scholarships in between his junior and senior year than working. And I've got some real life examples to, to verify that's a good direction. Now there's some books out there. There are actually some books by people in the 48 days community. One is don't get suckered how to survive college debt free and with your shirt. Another one is titled free money, please. And I, I can't find it online right now. It was written by Zach Freeman, a young guy. This has been a few years ago, but he, Zach lived just around the corner from me here in Franklin, Tennessee. He worked the entire summer between his junior and senior year, pursuing scholarships, raised $70,000, which was enough for his entire college degree. Then while attending college, he continued checking out scholarships and raised enough money for his master's degree. So he went right on, right from his bachelor's degree, right on to his master's degree, totally debt-free, by simply applying for scholarships. He got scholarships. I mean, a little $500 scholarships from the Rotary Club, but he just was relentless. But think about the time you could spend if, uh, if your son was not working, just applying for scholarships. That's what Zach did. And he raised enough money for his bachelor and master's degree totally. And it wasn't, it wasn't that he was a 4.0 student, outstanding or anything, not at all. If you go to Dave Ramsey's site, you can just put in, you know, college debt there. You're going to get a whole lot of content because that's a hot spot for Dave. Um, I just interviewed Dave's daughter, Rachel, recently on her new book, Love Your Life, Not Theirs. She's an expert on avoiding college debt as well. So check that out. There was, um, there's a young guy, Andrew Fluger, who has given us updates on his story multiple times here, had a really interesting interaction a couple of years ago where he had gotten a bunch of scholarship money and then he got in college and realized he was bored out of his mind. He didn't feel like he was learning anything. He had a little remote car sideline business he was doing online where he was making like $75,000 a year anyway. And he just didn't see the value of staying in college. His question was, should he stay in college because he had everything paid for? He had raised enough money and scholarships that it wasn't costing him anything. But even with that, he elected ultimately to leave. He just felt like he was stuck, like he was being held back from doing what he wanted to do. And he left. I'll put a link to that. There was a really interesting article done really well by Anna Skates, who interviewed Andrew on that whole, how that whole thing kind of played out. So I'll put a note to that. I'll put a link to that article in the show notes. Just go to 48 days and click on the podcast and look at the show notes for today's show there. And I'll have a link to that article about Andrew Fluger, who had all the money he needed to go to college and decided not to go anyway. Well, uh, Brad says, 
I'd love to get your advice on my income situation. I've been working. Now, this is, this is a tough one. He says, I've been working in Christian television for more than 25 years. I poured my heart and soul into this ministry. Many times working 60 to 100 hours a week. I receive a steady salary each week, but I don't get compensated for any extra work or overtime. I've given 100% for many years now simply because I have a heart for this ministry and want it to continue to succeed. We're financially strained, and my wife's failing health has caused me to take over her two part-time jobs as well. For many years, I've cashed in my vacation time. So instead of taking vacation, he cashes in his vacation time, catches up on the bills. Living paycheck to paycheck is a frightening experience. And not knowing how to bring a change is a paralyzing sensation. Thanks for all you do. Well, Brad, first, I, I commend you on doing work that is honorable. Work that you really feel is a ministry. Work that really is helping people. I mean, that's important. But when I talk about the three legs of the stool that you hear me talk about a lot, where we have that beautiful blend of passion talent and money we ought to be getting the best of all three of those in each area something we really are passionate about something we care about something we know is doing good in the world making the world a better place as you describe here talent it ought to be the absolute best application of your talent so that it leverages expands the impact because you're so talented in doing that but if you're financially strained week after week after week, you're not sure you're going to be able to pay the bills. There's something wrong in the money part of that. You would do yourself a service to do a job search. You don't have to burn any bridges. You don't have to quit your job that you're in, but do a job search. So you get a realistic understanding of the market value of what it is that you do. If you've been working in television for more than 25 years and you've stayed up with technology and the kind of things that we're using today, you may find that your real value out there is worth twice as much income as you're making now. Here's how you can look at this. You cannot justify having this kind of strain on yourself. And I have to expect that the strain is part of what is contributing to your wife's failing health as well. I mean, those, those things work together. If you want to be a provider for your family and allow them to be blessed and then bless others as well, you ought to be able to generate income that goes beyond just the basic needs of your family. So you can hold your head high in doing that. Now, here's the deal. Working in Christian television is a position that is appealing to about 6 million other young kids out there. I mean, what a great opportunity for somebody else to come into as a starting position, as an entry level position to come in and really learn in the way that you've been able to do as well. Don't feel like you're going to leave this television station or whatever this ministry is, you know, in limbo. If you leave, I'm confident there are going to be 20 people that raise their hands and would like to have the position that you have tomorrow. If you should decide to leave, 
So you don't, you don't need to feel bad about that. Don't have the sense of obligation keep you there. If it's not the best application of your passion, talent, and rewarding financially, then look at an opportunity that is. If you move from this ministry and you go into working for a company, a regular corporation where you're documenting, you're doing, you know, little videos for them, the kind of things that are popular right now that really get viral on social media and you're producing those. Well, if it's a company that is selling organic vegetables, you know, or teaching kids how to read more effectively. I mean, there could be all kinds of things that are not nonprofit organizations that are fully for-profit organizations, but you believe in what they're doing as well. It doesn't need to compromise your sense of being committed to ministry to use your skills well in a position that pays a whole lot more money. Well, now I hope that's encouraging and I really encourage you to do a job search. Check out your market value out there. Don't continue just struggling, 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 feeling like you have the obligation to stay here as your family is deteriorating. Nope. Your first priority is not the company that you're with, not the nonprofit or the organization that you're, it's your family. And if you can do a more effective job of providing for your family, then I think you have the responsibility to do that. Well, we've got lots of cool things coming up here at the sanctuary. Uh, we've had a lot of attention here recently. We just um, remodeled the sanctuary. I got all new windows, all new siding on the outside, redecorated the inside, and people are really excited to see it. People have been coming here for multiple things. But if you haven't been here yet, certainly invite you to come here. We've got our Coaching with Excellence coming up January 12th and 13th. That's where we take people and really help them know how to advance themselves as coaches, positioning themselves to use their passion, talent, create an economic model. I mean, that's what we're known for, helping coaches thrive financially as well as serving people well. And then we got the Ultimate Advantage Cruise coming up in February. That's getting close. Going to be an exciting time. I've seen we've had a bunch of new people that have registered in the last couple of weeks. But if you go to 48days.com, click on Live Events, you'll see the Ultimate Advantage Cruise. Our theme is Living Well, Doing Good. People like Aaron Walker, Dr. Chris McCloskey, who are going to be speaking on there, sharing insights as well. But how we can live well, how we can thrive and increase our ability to do good, to help others. That's what we're looking for. That's what we want for you as well. So, hey, check those things out. Hey, remember our quotation for the day comes from Zig Ziglar. What you get by achieving your goals is not as important as what you become by achieving your goals. Set those goals. Go to 48days.com slash 2017. That's my free worksheet on setting your goals. Don't just coast into the new year. Don't just kind of wait and see what happens. Again, you don't have to be concerned about what's happening in Washington, D.C. Yeah, do we stay abreast of that? Surely. But I don't have a whole lot of control over what happens there. And probably you don't either. But I have a whole lot of control over what happens right here on my property, my home, in my office, how I interact with people, the things that I put out there for other people to enjoy, how I interact with people, responsibility I take for providing for my family. 
providing income to bless my family and others that I think are worthy, my goodness, you can do the same. Just make sure that you're doing that as well. So enjoy the week. Hold your head high. Be excited about what's coming. Be excited about the fact that we're coming into a new year and all that that has the potential to bring for you. And ultimately, I just want to thank you for being part of this community. I consider it an honor to share little bits and pieces of your life each week. Keep us posted what's happening, the successes you're having. And thanks for being part of this group where we are, in fact, finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.